Good morning, brothers and sisters. Um, before we begin, just a general announcement. There is a car in the car park with number plate GOQ562, Toyota Corolla with its headlights still on, if anyone wants to resolve that. Uh, good morning, brothers and sisters. Um, we extend a warm welcome to everyone who has joined us in church this morning for worship of our triune God. We extend a special welcome to all the visitors who have joined us here this morning and who are with us via the live stream also. This morning's service is special because we may witness the adult baptism of Ian and Easter Rapley. May we all be comforted and encouraged by the preaching of the gospel of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. May God be praised and glorified by our worship. Consistory has the following announcements. The consistory as elders only will meet tomorrow evening, the Lord willing, at 8pm. Dylan and Alyssa Atkinson, with their two baptised children, Harley Lee Joe and Callan, have requested an attestation to the Free Reform Church of Launceston. We wish them God's blessings in their new congregation. And this morning, the worship service will be led by Reverend Poppy. Before we commence the worship service, let us sing together from hymn 82, verses 1 and 3. Brothers and sisters, please rise and let's worship God. We begin our worship this morning with a confession that our help is in the name of the Lord our God who made heaven and earth. Amen. And this God greets you, grace to you, and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne 
and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Amen. Let's sing a song of praise to our God. We're going to sing together from Psalm 117, verse 1. special gifts of God is that he has taught us how to live in a relationship together with him. So he, it's one point in, in the history of his dealings with his people that they were slaves in the land of Egypt and he rescued his people out of Egypt. And as soon as he rescued them out of Egypt, the first thing he did is he met with them and he taught them how to live in a relationship with him to rest under his blessing. So this morning we're going to read those words. It's the words of God's law. It comes to us in Exodus 20. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and who keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who's within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant or his female servant, or his ox or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Lord Jesus Christ, when he came to this world, he wanted us to understand the the full extent of this law. It's not just that the Lord says you're not allowed to do these ten things, but really what stands behind it is that God wishes us to live in a loving relationship with him and with the people around us. 
And so that's really how Jesus Christ summarized these, these commandments. There's one stage where he had one of the teachers of the law who came to him and who asked him the question, which is the greatest commandment? And the Lord Jesus responded, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great in the first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And so love is really the fulfillment of God's law. But when we hear that, it's possible that you, that you feel convicted, that you haven't always loved God, you haven't always loved the people around you. Let's make a confession of how we sometimes sin against God, and let's ask him for his grace and forgiveness. We're going to do that this morning by singing together from Psalm 65, verse 2. Let's now pray to God. Let's ask God for a blessing over the time that we have together with him. Dear God and Father in heaven, we come to you this morning, Lord, and we do so with so much thankfulness in our hearts. We're really grateful that you have revealed yourself to us, that you're a God who delights to have relationship, and that you invite us into relationship with yourself. We thank you, Lord, that you're willing to have an intimate relationship with us. You tell us in your word that you are our father, and that we may be your sons and daughters, that you adopt us into your family, and that as as a father, you love us dearly and you take very good care of us. Father, thank you for the intimacy that we may have with you. Thank you also that you reveal yourself to us. You tell us about what kind of a God you are. You tell us about what it looks like and what it means to have relationship with you. You teach us, Lord, that you're a powerful God, that you have authority over all things. You are seated on the throne in heaven. There is no one like you. There is no one who's parallel to your power and authority. You are the creator of the world. You're the one who holds on to everything and to make sure that everything keeps going. Father, we honor you for that. When we look at your world and when we we see what you have done, that we stand in awe of the, the glory and the majesty of the world which you've created, and we see that it It reflects a little bit of the the awesomeness of your character, of your wisdom and your understanding. We also thank you, Lord, that you're a God who delights to have relationship, that you're a God whose heart is filled with love. 
You love us, and you show that in, in many ways. You provide for us, and you care for us, you give us what we need. You also help us. There's times in life where things are really difficult, and then we can go to you, and you're a good father who cares for us, and you care about us. You're also a God, Lord, who, who is able to have relationship even when, when we do things that are really displeasing to you. Sometimes we have it when other people say and do things that are displeasing to us, then that we take distance from them. We don't like that, and we, we have some estrangement from them. And if it goes on for any length of time, then sometimes we even cut people out of our lives because we don't want anything to do with them. And that's really striking about you, Lord, because you're a God who still desires relationship. We've done some pretty terrible things to you. We've said things that, that are really disrespectful and dishonoring to you. And we've, we've treated you lightly. We treat you sometimes as if you don't exist and as if you don't have any power and as if you're nothing. We want to humble ourselves and we want to, to ask you to forgive us for those things. Sometimes, Lord, we, we also treat the people around us badly. We don't always love the people around us. We're not always kind as you call us to be. But sometimes we're selfish and proud. We're greedy and covetous. We're lustful and angry. And sometimes it causes so much distress for the people around us. And again, Lord, we want to humble ourselves before you and we want to acknowledge that. You tell us that if we confess our sins to you, then you are willing to forgive all our sins. You don't hold them against us, but you're willing to, to bear, to clean them away from us and to make us pure in your sight again and to continue in this relationship with us. And we believe, Lord, that you, that you do that through the work of your Son, that you sent Jesus Christ into this world in order to restore us and to reconcile us to you. Thank you for this immense gift. Then thank you, Lord, for the, for the blessing that you give that you want many other people to know about who you are and about what you've done. And to that end, you, you call us to share the hope of the gospel with other people. We thank you that you give us opportunity to do so, that we can meet others and we can tell them about who you are. We can tell them about why we think the way that we do and why we act the way we do. And sometimes you use that, Lord, in order to bring people to you. We're so grateful this morning that we get to, to witness the public profession of faith and also the baptism of Ian and Esau. Thank you, Father, that you love them, that you've entered into a relationship with them, that you've revealed yourself to them and that they may believe in you. Thank you for giving them your Holy Spirit so that they love you, that they understand that you are God, that you have power, and that you... You want to have relationship with them. Thank you that they understand that you have forgiven them all their sins and that they desire to, to live in fellowship with you. They desire to join your church and to become part of your family in a formal way. But what a blessing that you have given. And we honor you and we thank you for working that out for them. Thank you also that we get to share in that, that we get to know them and love them, that they get to be a part of our family, and that we get to move forward together. And we want to pray you now, Lord, that you would please Bless this time that we have in fellowship with you. We're hoping to open your word and to reflect together on what it means to be a part of your family. And we pray that you would help us in that, that we would understand this, and that we would celebrate the gifts that you give us. We also pray, Lord, that we may have grateful hearts for the, for the gift that you give to our brother and sister, and that you also use this time of, of worship and fellowship in order to draw us all closer to you so that we can live in, in intimacy with you. Please forgive our sins. Please bless us with your word. Please show us mercy. And please do it for Jesus' sake. Amen.
So this morning I get to preach God's word to you. There's um, two things we have, two special things we have this morning. One is the, uh, the baptism and the public profession of faith of Ian and Isa. And another special thing we have going on is in our church we're also doing a, a series of Bible studies on the fruit of the Spirit. What it means to believe in Jesus Christ and to have Christ live in your hearts with his Spirit. And so this morning we're also going to look at the, the fruit of peace. One of the, the fruits that the Holy Spirit works in us is the gift of peace. So I'd like to read two passages of the Bible with you about that. First, we're going to read together from Galatians 5, and then we're going to read together from Colossians 3. So first, from Galatians 5. And actually, we're not going to read the whole chapter there. We're just going to start reading at verse 16, and we're going to read from verse 16 through to the end of the chapter. So you can find that on your guest Bible. It's on page 1,157. Galatians 5, we'll start reading at verse 16. There God's word says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So far we're going to read together in Galatians 5 then. I invite you to, uh, to move forward in your Bible to page 1169, actually 1170, to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3, the Apostle Paul tells us a little bit more about what life by the Spirit of God looks like. So page 1170, Colossians 3, we're going to start reading at verse 12. There God's word says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you, all, you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So far, our reading. I invite you to, uh, to open your psalm books. Let's sing another song. We're going to sing together from Psalm 133. It's a song of um, where we celebrate the gift of unity within God's church. Psalm 133, verses 1 and 2. So the text that we're going to look at specifically this morning is just from that passage we read together from Galatians 5. It's just a one-liner there. It's Galatians 5 verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Well, dear brothers and sisters, pretty special day for us here this morning. Inanisa. It's the day you've been waiting for for a little while here. Looking forward to your public profession of faith and to your baptism. What a journey. What was it, maybe seven years ago? Something like that, that you first met together with the, uh, or you were working for the Wrightsmas. And lots of questions, lots of conversation. Where are things really at? And why are they who they are? And, and why do they act the way they do and believe what they do? And so lots of driving and lots of conversations and and lots of figuring out what's really going on. And then finally one day, Issa decided, well, I really need to come to church. 
And so she dragged Ian, Ian along. And then it was quite a journey because as she dragged Ian along, slowly they started coming to church and they do it a bit more often. And it was first Ian who actually came to faith in Christ. And he came to understand that this is true and that God is real and that he's there and that he needs a relationship with him. And he'd known about God and he'd had a relationship with God, but this was really when he grew in conviction of who the Lord is and recognized his sin and gave his life over to the Lord. And then he said for you too, the Lord also opened your heart, that you, that you came to understand that the Lord is God. And then uh, from what I understand, Alf, you had a, quite a role in that as well, doing some Bible study, teaching. Then Dathan was involved in the, uh, the new members class and also you came along to the Wednesday night to the introduction to the Bible course. And over time, you really became convicted of the truth of the scriptures. You came to believe in God. You came to entrust your life to him. Well, he's been really kind in bringing you to us and bringing us to you. Thank you also for what you bring, for your hospitality, for your love, and Issa for your hugs. Notice half the people, us Dutch Reformed folk, we rather reserved come walking into church this morning and everybody gets a hug from Esau. <laughs> well, now you want to become members to profess that you love God, that you trust Christ, that you need him as your savior and that you want to serve him for the rest of your life. Well, it's quite a commitment. What does it mean? What will it lead to? What is a a Christian life, how is a Christian life different from, from a life apart from Christ? If you, if you read the Bible, you can actually answer the question in lots of different ways. To be a Christian, what does it really mean? The Bible talks about a lot of different things, about the, the relationship that we can have with God and, and what that looks like, but probably the biggest thing, if you wanted to boil it down to one thing, what does it mean to be a Christian? It means that you share in Christ that you believe in him and that he is in you, that he lives in your heart. Well, the God of heaven and earth, he enters into a really intimate, a very personal relationship with everyone who believes in him. And that's really a beautiful thing. We talked about that in our Bible study some time ago. When you believe in God, when you put your trust in him, then one of the things he, do, he does is he includes you in his family. He adopts you. You are his son and daughter. And he does that because long ago he chose you. And he said, you are my child, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to bring you to a point that I'm going to bring you into the family. Then Ephesians 1, Paul tells it out. He gives you the forgiveness of sins. And he gives you his Holy Spirit who lives in your heart and who makes you into a new person. And he gives you a, a sense of the future, that there's a future world where you're, you get to live this life in fellowship with God and it culminates at the end of your life where you actually get to come into his presence. You get to live for all eternity in presence with the living God. And then when you are in that place, you're a place where, where God promises to protect you and to comfort you. He promises to heal you. He promises to be gentle and compassionate to you. And one of the biggest things is he promises to forgive your sins and to make it right between you and him. Well, so when you have these promises of God, when you know God as, as he is, then one of the great gifts that, that comes out of that is the gift of peace. Those who know God, 
and those who love God, and those who are known by God, and those who are loved by God, they receive the peace of God. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace, and he gives peace to all those who believe in him. He gives peace between God and us, and he gives peace between us and each other. And that's one of the foundational gifts that the Lord gives to those who believe in Christ. And so we're going to look at that a little more closely this morning. The, the theme here is, is that the fruit of the Spirit is peace. And we're going to see in the first place this gift of peace with God, and secondly, the gift of peace with each other. Now, if you go to, to the text I've chosen this morning, to Galatians 5, verse 22, and you read that line, the fruit of the Spirit is peace, you can kind of wonder what that means. What does it mean that we get the peace of God? And the reason it's, it's important to ask the question is because when you read through the Bible, if you're, if you're a Bible reader, then you'll come to understand that there's, there's quite a diff- number of places where the Lord talks about the peace of God, and he actually talks about that in different ways. So one of the key ways in which he talks about the peace of God is the peace that exists between God and us. One of the greatest gifts of God that he gives is he establishes peace between God and us. We read a few moments ago from Colossians 3, and there it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Well, the context within which Paul says that is back in Colossians 1, he first talks about the peace that God makes between him and us. In Colossians 1 verse 20, Paul talks about how God reconciled all things through Christ, making peace by the blood of his cross. And what he really means there is that God has reconciled himself to us through the blood of Jesus Christ. He's made peace between him and us through the blood of Christ. And he spells that out in the next verse, Colossians 1.21. He says, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds... He is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. At one time, you're hostile to God. You're alienated from him. You had no relationship with God. And the great gift of God in Christ is that he's reconciled you. He's brought you. Christ has brought you into God's presence. And he's established peace between you and God. And he did that through his suffering, through his death, through his blood. If you believe in Jesus Christ, then you are justified before God. That's that's the biblical term. And the word justified, it's, it's a legal declaration. It refers to a judge sitting on his judgment seat and someone coming into his presence and charges being read off against the person And at the end of the day, if you are justified, then the judge looks at you and he says, you are not guilty. You're innocent. There's no charge against you. And that's the the picture of what happens to us, to every one of us. There is a day when every single one of us is going to stand before God and he's going to judge our lives. He's going to look at everything that you ever said and everything that you ever did. He's going to look at every one of your motives And he's going to pass judgment on that. And if you are not in Christ, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, then you're going to be held accountable for everything you've ever done. The living God is going to say, you really offended me by some of these things that you've done. And he's going to judge you for that. 
But if you believe in Jesus Christ, then Christ says, he says, I'm willing to pay for every thing that you've ever done wrong. I'll cover it. I'll pay for you. If you believe in me, if you look to me, if you trust me to do that for you, I will do it for you. And I'll give you the gift that when you stand before the judgment seat of God, then God is going to look at you in the same way that he looks at me. And when God looks at Jesus Christ, that he says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And so if you believe in the Lord Jesus, then when God looks at you, he says, you are my son. You are my daughter whom I love. And with you I am well pleased. This is something Paul talks about back in Romans 5 verse 1. Back in Romans 3 and 4, he talks about how we're justified through faith. And then in Romans 5 verse 1, he tells, what does that mean? He says, therefore, since you have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's quite a gift. Isa, you know all about that? Isa told us at one stage that when she looked into a fire, then it reminded her of hell. And she thought to herself, that's the judgment of God, and that's where I'm going. And she imagined people in the fire that are in agony and torment and pain because of suffering. She had the sense, this is what I deserve, and that's where I'm going. And the great gift of God in Christ that Isa professes is she believes in Jesus as her Savior. And there is no fire. There is no judgment. There is no torment. But Christ has saved her from all that. Christ has given her peace with God. Well, it is the gift that God gives to everyone who believes in him. And so what I'd say to to everyone else here this morning is if you don't believe in Christ, then this is the core call of the message of the gospel. The Lord calls you. He says, be honest with me about the things you've done wrong. And trust Jesus Christ to cover those things. And Christ will do that for you. He'll take your guilt, all the guilt that you've ever had, and he'll take it away from you. And you can be at peace with him. It's his joy. He says, I do not delight in the death of the sinner. I don't want to make people suffer. I don't want to punish people for the rest of eternity. He says, what I want is I want relationship with you. I would delight to forgive you. And if you believe in the Lord Jesus, if you look to him as your savior, then you get to share then I will show my love to you, and I will, never, I will never punish you for anything that you've done wrong. Well, this is the first sense in which the Bible speaks about the peace of God. But then we should understand that when, when Paul talks about it here in Galatians 5, when he says um, the fruit of the Spirit is peace, that he's probably not referring to that. Instead, what he seems to be referring to in, in Galatians 5 is rather the peace that we have when Christ lives in our hearts. It's not just peace with God, but there's also another sense of the peace that we have is is peace of mind and peace of heart. One of the great gifts that God gives is, is he promises to be our father. He enters into this relationship with us and he says, I'm your father who loves you and who's gonna look after you. And as a father who loves and looks after you, he says, I promise that I'm gonna do everything that it takes in order to provide for you and to make sure it goes good for you. Well, that's an incredible promise. 
the living God, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who has power over all things, he says, I love you. And I'm your father and I'm going to look out for you. And it's on this basis that the Lord Jesus says to us, he says, you need to remember that. You need to call that to mind. And you need to, to live out of that. You know, normally what happens to us, we get into a situation and there's difficulty and there's pressure and there's stress and there's hardship and, and things go wrong in our lives. And our natural reaction is to become really anxious. And Christ says to us, Matthew, Matthew 6, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, about what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, about what you'll put on. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are not you of more value than they? Don't worry about your clothes, about what you're going to eat or drink, about your house, about your job. Don't worry about the circumstance of your life. You have a Father who loves you, and he knows what you need. And he's going to give you whatever you need. In the next chapter, Matthew 7, Christ says that he's a really good father. He says, we've all had fathers on this earth. Most of them are good men. And most of the time, they provide for us. If you, if you need something, you ask for, for a loaf of bread, your dad's not going to give you a stone. He's a good dad. And he provides for his kids. And Christ says, well, well he's, in, he's still evil. He's still, by nature... He's still not perfect. He's, in his heart, there is still this, this evil tendency within human beings. And yet, he does good. Well, then Christ says, you have a heavenly father who has no evil tendencies. He's only good. He's perfectly good. And if you come to him, if you ask him for something, is he going to deny you? No, he's going to look after you. And so Christ says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. You have a really good dad. And so deep in your heart, if you know that, if you know, if you're a little child and you know that my dad's got this covered, it's going to be okay, then a child can be deeply at peace because his dad's going to figure it out and it's all going to turn out all right. That's the calling that God gives. He says, don't be anxious, but have peace in your heart and you can have that peace because the Lord is a good dad. Philippians 4, verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's really beautiful how often I get to hear about that in your lives, brothers and sisters. Sometimes you go through difficult things, you have health concerns, Sometimes there's stress, stress in relationships, or sometimes it happens that you have trouble in your job. And when we talk it through, I kind of ask, how are you thinking about that? And what do you anticipate? Where are you at? And how are you dealing with that? And so often I get to hear about, about the fact that you entrust it to the Lord. And you're okay, because you have a Father who knows you, and who loves you, and he's looking after you. And so it is going to be okay. Well, that, that settled trust... That's the gift of God. That's the gift of the Spirit of Christ who lives in you. He works that in your heart and he gives you this peace of God. And Paul says here in Philippians 4, he says it transcends all understanding. It's, it's next level. It's otherworldly. 
It often happens you're in the hospital and you're diagnosed. The doctor comes to you and says, you have a serious illness, you're diagnosed with cancer. Or you're diagnosed with, with some other serious disease. And then they see you accept that in peace. And they wonder, like, how is that possible? How do you do that? Well, it's, it's the gift of God. But there's also one other way in which God speaks about the peace of God in Christ. And that's the peace that God calls us to work at. He says, I give you the gift of peace. And he says, I want you to work at the experience of peace. It's the calling that we read together in Colossians 3, verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. Paul says you are one body as a church. You're a body. And he uses that imagery elsewhere in the scriptures. He says Christ is the head and you are the body. And he says since you're a body, you're a unity. And you all need each other. And you all need to work together. A body doesn't fight with itself. It's not always fighting with itself. If you have that, if you have an autoimmune disease, then you fight against yourself. And that, that's a serious illness. That's a real disease. What Paul says here, he says, you are one body. And so he's saying, you're called to unity. And he says, the way that happens is he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. This word for rule, it's really interesting. The Greek word literally means to be a judge or arbitrator, to be an umpire, to be a referee. It was often used in the games. So you had the Olympic Games, you had someone who was the umpire, the referee. And the umpire makes judgments. Well, now, the umpire of your heart is to be the peace of Christ. And so in making judgments and making decisions and deciding what to do and, and how to go forward in different situations, God's saying, what you need to do is you need to allow the peace of Christ to rule in your hearts. So when you make a decision, you're talking to your husband or your wife, you need to make a decision together. And God's saying that the part of your motive is that you need to think to yourself, what's going to lead to peace in my marriage? You're having a conversation with your children. You're having a conversation with, with your, your business partner. You need to ask yourself the question. Part of the question that you need to have in the back of your head is you need to ask yourself the question, what's going to lead to peace? How can I deal with this situation and resolve this, this situation in a way that I'm at peace with my brother, with my friend, with my neighbor, with my boss? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. What's well, really interesting, if you, if you read the rest of that section of Colossians 3, then this, this is a key theme that fits in with that section. Earlier in the chapter, we're called to put to death things like sexual immorality, covetousness, anger, malice, and slander. Well, if you want to pick something that destroys the peace, then do any of those things. If you're sexually immoral, that's going to trash your marriage. If you're someone who's covetous, if it's never enough, if you always want more, if you always want better, if you always want different, that's going to put a huge amount of stress between you and your spouse. If you're someone who gets angry, and you live in malice with another person, you hate another person, and you hold on to that anger against the other person, that's going to destroy the peace. 
If you slander someone, if you say things about them that are not true, that's going to annihilate any kind of peace between you. Well, God says, put these things to death. They destroy the peace. And in contrast, in the next verses, he says, you need to live differently. He says, put on the new nature, things like compassion and kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. He says, bear with one another in love. And he says, forgive each other. Well, that's a recipe for beautiful, peaceful relationships. If you're compassionate with somebody else, if you literally to be compassionate, to to have passion together with them, to enter into their suffering together with them, then that leads to great peace. If you are meek, if you're humble, if you're patient, if you're willing to bear with someone, if you're willing to forgive someone for the things they've done against you, that leads to great peace. Well, that's God's great desire for us. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. One of the primary blessings of the kingdom of God that we get to share in is that we get the gift of peace. And that's not just with God, but that's also with the people around us. It's one of the great priorities for God. When Jesus Christ prays, he's about to die, he's about to make payment for our sins, then one of the first things he prays about in John 17, he prays that we may be one that we may have perfect unity between us, that we as as his children, as, as his people, that we reflect the kind of unity that he has with God. That's his great joy, that there is a perfect unity between the people in his church. Or another passage, Romans 14, verse 17, God teaches us, he says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so if you, if you follow this theme through the Bible, then there are many places where the Lord says, you need to work it, you need to pursue it, you need to do everything in your power to make that happen. I'm just going to reflect on a couple of those with you. One of them is Philippians 2 verse 3. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Well, if you look to the interests of others, you're in a situation, you're, you know, you're having a conversation with someone, and you have their best interest at heart, there is no division. <laughs> Guaranteed. If you think someone is better than you, that's what Paul says here, he says, count others more significant than yourselves. Well, that, that's a heart exercise. In your heart, you have, to, you have to think to yourself, he's better than I am. He's more significant than I am. Well, if you have that in your heart, and if you approach other people with that attitude, that leads to profound peace. Then you want to listen to what they have to say. You want to take to heart what they think. You want to reflect on that. This is the the calling that God gives. First verse, Ephesians 4, he says a few different things. God teaches us there how to respond to his grace in Christ. And he says, I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So first, the calling is humility. 
and gentleness. If you're really gentle with another person, maybe they're wrong, but you're really gentle in teasing that out and talking it through and figuring it out together with them, that most people can accept that. If you bear with someone else, if you're patient with them, then that leads to great understanding. It leads to great... It leads people to have the ability to listen to you and to take to heart what you have to say. And that leads to, to an understanding of one another and unity together. This calling to, to bear with each other, to be patient with each other, it's something that Paul works out in chapter, Romans chapter 14 and 15. There's this division in the Roman church about eating food sacrificed to idols. And some said, no, you can't eat food sacrificed to idols because idols are, they're, this was sacrificed to an idol. And so anything that's offered in the marketplace, you can't eat that. You had the other side who said, well, those idols are nothing. The only God is the Lord. And so if somebody's sacrificing their, their food to an idol, if they, they kill this animal, you know, for Zeus, it doesn't mean nothing. Because Zeus is nothing. And so I, I can eat it if I feel like eating it. And these two sides, they had a lot of conflict with each other, and they got into big fights with each other. And then Paul says to them, he says, you don't judge each other on disputable matters. You give each other space. God will judge. And so in disputable things, he says, you, you leave judgment to God. And you have a great deal of patience, and you bear with each other in the current circumstance. Well, quite a, quite a calling for us. Sometimes we get into conflict with each other. And one person says, no, this is the biblical principle we have to uphold. And the other person says, no, that's the biblical principle we have to uphold. And they have great conflict with each other. Well, in that situation, the Lord says, you really need to bear with each other. You need to be careful that you don't sit in judgment on each other. In the last verses of James 3, you have another passage there. God talks about the strong contrast between the wisdom of this world and the wisdom that comes down from above. He says, the people here in this world, they often make decisions, and their decisions are based on envy and selfish ambition. It's what I want and what I can get, and it's all about me. Well, Paul says that's, or James says that's demonic. He says that comes from the devil, and that leads to all sorts of conflict. And instead, he says, there is a wisdom that comes from above that's pure and peaceable, that's gentle and open to reason, that's full of mercy and good fruit, that's impartial and sincere. James says, well, this godly wisdom, it leads to a harvest of righteousness and of peace. He said, if you're pure in your motives, if you're fair in your dealings with each other, if you're open to reason, if someone can talk it through with you and you're willing to listen to what they have to say, if you're merciful in your dealings with other people, then that leads to peace. And he says, where there is peace, that leads to righteousness. That's one of the reasons why peace is so important. When there's peace, then people do what's right. And when there's division and conflict and hatred, then there's all, amount, there's all sorts of sin that comes out of that. Well, the Lord is a God of peace, and he invites you to live in peace. And so maybe I can just ask you to reflect on your own life as well. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. Christ gives that between you and God, and Christ gives that between you and each other. And so maybe I'll ask you, how are you actually doing with that? 
Are you at peace with God? Have you confessed your sins to God and have you asked him for his grace and forgiveness? Do you trust that he'll forgive you for Jesus' sake? Especially here in this text, are you at peace with each other? Is there anyone with whom you're in conflict at this point? Someone you have no time for? You don't want to deal with them? You say, maybe, no, I, I don't hate them. I don't hate them. But really, you really, really, really don't like them. And you want absolutely nothing to do with them. The Lord calls you to peace, brothers and sisters. He wants that. That we have unity as his body. He wants us to experience the peace of Christ within us. You know, if I reflect on this as a pastor here in our congregation, we have a lot of peace. This is one of the great gifts that God has given. There is a lot of love within our congregation. There's a lot of mutual kindness. There's a lot of consideration. And there is a lot of peace. And that is an immense gift of God in Christ. God has been very kind to us. And he's given us a lot of love and a lot of peace amongst us. And I would encourage you to continue to pursue that. That you make this a matter of first priority. The Lord says this is one of his greatest priorities in our lives. And so it's, it's really important for us to seek that, to pursue that, and to do everything in our power to make that happen. And then also there's, there's some occasions where we're not at peace. And in those occasions, in those situations, if that's you, brothers and sisters, then I ask you to reflect in your own heart, and I ask you, if you think of the people whom with, you have, with whom you have conflict, ask yourselves, do you think them better than you? Do you seek their interests over your own? Are you humble in your dealings with them? Are you selfless in your dealings with them? Are you gentle and compassionate? Will you bear with people? And the most important one, are you willing to forgive each other as you have been forgiven? God has shown us what it looks like. He's done it for us. He loves us, and he's done it for us. And now since he's done it for us, he says, now I want you to do it for each other. I want you to live that way. I want you to use my spirit and ask me for help, and I'll help you to do it, and I'll make it happen. And that's the great encouragement that I wish to leave with you this, this morning. It is not something you do in your own strength. This is the fruit of the spirit. The way that you share in this character of God is by believing in the Lord Jesus as your Savior. It's as you believe in Christ as your Savior that Christ lives in you. And it's when he lives in you, then this is the spirit that you have in your dealings with other people. And so the greatest thing you can do is you can reflect on how God has dealt with you. You think about how he's treated you and all that he's done for you in Christ. And as that is clear in your mind, and the bigger that is in your thinking, the easier it becomes for you to be reconciled with the people around you then Christ lives in you, and then he gives you his gentleness and his patience and his compassion, his humility. And then in the end, you have these beautiful relationships with each other. And brothers and sisters, that is God's greatest joy for us. He'll bring us there. And the, the great thing for you is to use your gifts to make it happen. Ian and Isa, welcome to our congregation. We love to have you. And that's one of the things that you bring to us is that you do have a lot of love in your heart.
And you have a great desire to seek peace and unity with the people around you. And we thank you for that. We honor Christ for his work within you. That's Christ's work in you. And please love us and let us love you. And brothers and sisters, please love one another. As we have been loved, may we love one another. And may we experience the peace and unity that God gives his people. Amen. Let's sing together. We're going to sing of the the kindness and the faithfulness of God in caring for us. We're going to sing from hymn 66, the verses 1, 2, and 3.
In Nisa, we come to the time where you get to be baptized, formally included among the people of God. Before we do so, we have a, a form at the back of our book of praise that kind of explains the biblical teaching around baptism, why we baptize, and how we go about that. So we're going to read that form together. If you want to follow along, you can find that on page 599 of your book of praise. So it is the form for the baptism of adults. Page 599. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the doctrine of holy baptism is summarized as follows. First, we and our children are conceived and born in sin and are therefore by nature children of wrath so that we cannot enter the kingdom of God unless we are born again. This is what the immersion in or sprinkling with water teaches us. It signifies the impurity of our souls, so that we may detest ourselves, humble ourselves before God, and seek our cleansing and salvation outside of ourselves. Second, baptism signifies and seals to us the washing away of our sins through Jesus Christ. We are therefore baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we are baptized into the name of the Father, God the Father testifies and seals to us that he establishes an eternal covenant of grace with us. He adopts us for his children and his heirs, and he promises to provide us with all good and avert all evil or to turn it to our benefit. When we are baptized into the name of the Son, God the Son promises us that he washes us in his blood from all our sins and unites us with him in his death and resurrection. Thus we are freed from our sins and accounted righteous before God. When we are baptized into the name of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit assures us by this sacrament that he will dwell in us and make us living members of Christ, imparting to us what we have in Christ, namely the cleansing from our sins and the daily renewal of our lives, till we shall finally be presented without blemish among the assembly of God's elect in life eternal. Third, since every covenant contains two parts, a promise and an obligation, we are through baptism called and obliged by the Lord to a new obedience. We are to cleave to this one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to trust him, to love him with our whole heart, soul, and mind, and with all our strength. We must not love the world, but put off our old nature and lead a God-fearing life. And if we, sometimes, through weakness, fall into sins, we must not despair of God's mercy, nor continue in sin, for baptism is a seal and a trustworthy testimony that we have an eternal covenant with God. Although the children of believers are not able to understand these things, they must be baptized by virtue of the covenant. Adults, however, may not be baptized unless they, conscious of their sins, repent and profess their faith in Christ. For this reason, John the Baptist, following the command of God, preached a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And only those who confessed their sins were baptized. Our Lord Jesus Christ also commanded his apostles to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, adding the promise, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. 
According to this rule, the apostles baptized only those adults who had repented and professed their faith. Therefore, also today, no other adults should be baptized than those who have learned to understand, by the preaching and instruction of the gospel, the glorious contents of holy baptism, and are thus able to give account of their faith by personal profession. In order that we now administer this holy sacrament of God to his glory for our comfort and for the upbuilding of this congregation, let's call upon his holy name. Almighty eternal God, in your righteous judgment, you punish the unbelieving and the unrepentant world with the flood. But in your great mercy, you saved and protected the believer Noah and his family. You drowned the obstinate Pharaoh and all his host in the Red Sea, but you led your people Israel through the midst of the sea on dry ground, by which baptism was signified. We therefore pray that you, in your infinite mercy, will graciously look upon this brother and sister and incorporate Ian and Isa by your Holy Spirit into your son, Jesus Christ, so that they may be buried with him by baptism into death and raised with him to walk in newness of life. We pray that they, following him day by day, may joyfully bear their cross, and that they may cleave to him in true faith, firm hope, and ardent love. Grant that they, comforted in you, may leave this life which is no more than a constant death, and at the last day that they may appear without terror before the judgment seat of Christ, your Son. All this we ask through him, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who with you and the Holy Spirit, one only God, lives and reigns forever. Amen. Can I ask you to please rise? Beloved brother and sister, Rapley, you desire to receive holy baptism as a seal of your incorporation into the Church of God. You've been instructed by us in the Christian religion, and you've made profession of it before the overseers. It's become clear to all that you not only accept the Christian doctrine, but that you also intend, by the grace of God, to live according to it. Therefore, we ask you to answer sincerely the following questions before God and his Church. First, do you believe in the one only true God? distinct in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is created out of nothing, heaven and earth, and all that is in them, and who still upholds and governs them so that nothing happens without his divine will? Second, do you believe that you were conceived and born in sin and are therefore by nature a child of wrath, children of wrath, totally unable to do any good and inclined to all evil? Do you confess that you've often transgressed against the commandments of the Lord in thought, word, and deed? And do you sincerely repent from your sin? Third, do you believe that Jesus Christ, who is both true and eternal God and true man, who assumed his human nature from the Virgin Mary, is given by God as your Savior? Believing in him, do you confess that you receive the remission of sins in his blood and that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you have become a member of Jesus Christ and his church? Fourth, do you wholeheartedly agree with this doctrine of the word of God, summarized in the confessions and taught here in this Christian church? And do you promise to continue steadfastly in this doctrine to the end of your life? And do you reject all heresies and errors 
conflicting with this doctrine? Do you promise to persevere in the fellowship of this Christian church and to be diligent in the hearing of God's word and the use of the sacraments? And fifth, do you firmly resolve, as is proper for a member of Christ in his church, always to lead a Christian life and not to love the world and its evil desires? Do you promise to submit willingly to the Christian admonition and discipline of the church if it should happen, and may God graciously prevent it, that you become delinquent in either doctrine or in conduct? Brother Ethan Rapley, what is your answer? I do. And Sister Issa Rapley, what is your answer? Well, our merciful God grant you his grace and his blessing to fulfill your holy intention through Jesus Christ our Lord. Please come forward. You just face the congregation. <laughs> Issa Rapley, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Ian, you're next. Ian, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, please rise. Let's sing together from Psalm 134, verse 3. Brothers and sisters, let's pray to God. Let's thank God for what he's done for our brother and sister. In our prayer this morning, we're also going to remember a few other members of our congregation, some people who've been under doctor's care. In the first place, we'll remember our brother Trevor Deke. This past Friday, he had an operation on his knee, and he got a new knee. We're really grateful to that that went well. So we'll thank God for that and ask God for healing. Also, our brother Wally Tenhaf, he spent much of the past week in the hospital. He's had some fluid on his lungs. They also understood that, in part, this is an issue with his heart. So we'll ask God to, to bless the works of the doctors for him. And also our brother Wayne Dingle. He's really been under doctor's care. I'm not exactly sure. He's very tired, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And so we'll ask God to bless the work of the doctors and care for our brother as well. So let us pray to God. Almighty, merciful God and Father, we thank and praise you that you have forgiven us and our children all our sins through the blood of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. You have received us through your Holy Spirit as members of your only begotten Son, and so adopted us to be your children. You've sealed and confirmed this to us by holy baptism. 
We pray through your beloved Son that you always govern this brother and sister by your Holy Spirit, that Ian and Isa may live in true Christian and godly life, and that they may grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grant that they may acknowledge your fatherly goodness and mercy, which you've shown to them and to us all. May they live in all righteousness under our only teacher, king, and high priest, Jesus Christ. And may they valiantly fight against and overcome sin, the devil, and his whole dominion. May they forever praise and magnify you and your son, Jesus Christ, together with the Holy Spirit, the one only true God. And Father, we thank you that you don't leave us on our own in order to do this. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us your spirit, the spirit of our Lord Jesus, and that through Christ's spirit, that he enables not only them, but all of us to live out our faith in you. We heard the calling this morning also, Lord, that the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. And we want to ask you, Lord, that you help us with that. Help us to reflect on what Christ has done for us. Help us to realize that he has established peace between you and us, that you're not angry with us, but as we confess our sins to you and as we're honest about that, that you're willing to take away all our sins and you're willing to to have an open relationship of love and of unity together with us. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to live in fear. Thank you that we don't have to live under the burden of guilt. Thank you that you've even taken our shame away, that Christ bore that on our behalf. And so we can have this open relationship with you and we can be open in our relationships with each other. And then, Father, we also pray that you would fill us with your spirit, that as you have loved us, as you have forgiven us, as you have cared for us, that we may do the same with the people around us. Give us hearts that are filled with love, that we love each other, that we care for each other, that we consider each other's needs, and that we're willing to, to sacrifice for the sake of the other. Grant, Lord, that, we, that we're gentle in those occasions where there's division and, and brokenness between us. Help us to pursue unity. Help us, Lord, to make every effort to, to seek to be reconciled to each other. And give us a spirit of, of grace, of forgiveness, of gentleness, of compassion, of kindness, of humility. Grant that we reflect Christ's dealings in our dealings with each other. And grant then that we can have wholesome relationships with one another. Father, this is your joy. This reflects your nature. It's when we as your church live in love and unity that we give the world a picture of who you are and what stands at the core of your character. And so we ask that you would continue this work among us, that you powerfully work in us, and that together that we reflect you. Thank you, Lord, that we can do so. Thank you by, by doing so that you also bring others to us. Thank you that Ian and Isa can join our congregation, that they may be a part of our fellowship. And thank you for the blessings that they bring to us as well. Thank you also for many others who, who wish to hear the gospel, who worship with us Sunday after Sunday. And Lord, we pray that the time may come that many of these people as well may join your church. Thank you also that we can be a light within our communities, that in our jobs and in our neighborhoods and in our fellowship with other people, that they get to realize that we're different, that there's something about us, that it is the spirit of Christ who lives in us. And we pray then, Lord, that you would bring many more people to your church, many more people to know you and to live in relationship with you, to be saved from their sins and to enjoy a fellowship together with you. Thank you for being our God. And thank you that we may be your people. Lord, we ask that you also care for us in all the circumstances of our lives. One of the other things that gives us peace is, is knowing that you're a good father and that you love us and that you look after us. 
And we pray, Lord, that you, you give this knowledge, especially to our brother Trevor Deke and our brother Wally Tenhaf and also our brother Wayne Dingle. Lord, be with Trevor and please grant healing to him. Please protect him from infection. Grant that he's able to start moving about and grant that, that the knee, the new knee that he has, that it, can, that it can work well, that he can get over the pain and that he's able to have mobility again. Father, thank you for the operation he could receive. Thank you for the work of the doctors. Thank you for the technology that exists. And thank you that you, you've given this to him. We depend upon you also for his wife. We want to pray that you be with Anna, that you look after her during this time. Please surround this family with your love and care. And please show them your grace for Christ's sake. We also pray, Lord, for Brother Wallington Half. He spent a lot, of the hosp- a lot of this past week in the hospital. Lord, please be with her, brother. He's had one health concern after another, and he's had some significant things. Please bless the work of the doctors, that it can go well for his heart, and, and grant that they're able to see how they can best help him. Thank you so much that you give him the peace of Christ. And we pray, Lord, that you continue to watch over him, and that you, you be near to him and also to Leone, that you care for her as well. She has a lot of responsibility in caring for him, and just a lot of work that she does in, in making sure it goes good. We're grateful that you've given them to each other, and we're grateful for this relationship that they can have. And we ask, Lord, that you please bless them and shine your face upon them, that you look after this family. Be also near to their children and grandchildren and give them the peace of Christ. And then we pray also, Father, that you please be with their brother, Wayne Dingle. Brother's really been tired, and they, they're having a hard time figuring out what's going on. And so we ask that you please bless the work of the doctors, that they understand what's going on. And please be with our brother, that you look after him and that you provide for him. Please bless him. And also give him a rich measure of the peace of Christ. Please be with Sandra, as she also supports him. Grant that together that they can rest under your grace and blessing and that it may go well for them. Father, there's so many more people in our church as well who struggle with significant health concerns. There's a number of members who are not able to be here today. They, they're so sick that they can't make it. And we entrust them to your throne of grace. And we pray for your love and care. Thank you that, that you give us this fellowship with you. Thank you for all the, the guests and visitors that you, that you bring to us this morning as well, that together we can celebrate the, the gift of your grace and also the baptism of our brother and sister. Father, please give us a good time of fellowship. Please show us your love, and please do it for Jesus' sake. Amen. So one of the things that we also do as part of our worship of God is that we give the opportunity to give some, some of your money as a thank offering to God for the gift of his grace. This morning we're going to collect some money and the money will be set aside for the mission work that's being done in Papua New Guinea. We support a project in Papua New Guinea. We have a couple of missionaries who are there. And so you're invited to also to participate in that and to give some money to that if you wish. Then after the collection, we are going to sing together from hymn 52, the verses 1, 2, and 4.
Receive the blessing of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Can I ask you all to uh, please be seated? One of the special things we uh, get to do is when someone has made a public profession of faith, it is our practice here within our congregation that we always invite them to the front. We love to give them a gift on behalf of the consistory and congregation. It's just a little welcome, um, just to welcome you into our church and to, to celebrate together with you the gift that God has given to you and us and us and you. And so what we do is um, we met together with Ian and Issa with the consistory about a month ago. Um, you know, they'd been examined by the elders. We had a chance just to have a brief conversation with them. They shared with them a little bit of their journey of faith. I kind of put them on the spot at the moment. Kind of said, hey, maybe you want to tell us about how you got to this point. And they're kind of like, uh, sure. Um, I won't do that to you again. Um, but what we, would, what we did at the time, we also gave them the opportunity to choose a book. So they've chosen two different books, um, a couple of motiv- uh, meditational books. One is about the Psalms and one is by our former pastor here, Homeward Bound. And the one text, we asked your elders to, uh, to choose a text for you. And the one text that they have chosen for you is from Ephesians 3, the verses 20 and 21. There God says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. These are words that the Apostle Paul spoke to the Ephesians. In the verses just prior to this, he spoke about the love of God that God has for us. He says, he, he prayed for them, and he says, I pray that you may understand how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and that you may know that love. And so after praying that they may know the love of God, then the very next thing he prays for them, he says, um, To him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine, to him be glory 
in Christ Jesus, in the church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. And so at the end of the day, it's a real acknowledgement that who we are and the fact that you get to join the church, this is the work of God. And we thank and we praise God for what he has done in bringing you to this point. Please come forward. Isa, I have to give you a hug. <laughs> thank you so much. And God's blessing to you. Praise God. I'm not sure who took which one, but you'll both get one. Let's do that. Before we leave, let's, let's sing together a song. Uh, maybe I'll ask you to all to rise. Larissa, I didn't tell you about this, but can we do hymn eight? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. for a coffee.